Hi, and welcome to The Commons at HBC, a podcast and virtual space for community, conversation, and connection brought to you by the Young Adult Ministry of Highland Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. I am your host, David Bannister, longtime member who's volunteered all over the church. If this is your first time listening, welcome. The concept is simple. We will meet with our guest, hear what's going on at the church, and discuss this past week's sermon. So let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Commons at HBC. As nor- as always, I'm your host David Bannister. Um, excited to be with you all this week. So we are in our now fifth, sorry, fourth week of Lent. So we only have three more Sundays of this podcast. Um, I hope you're enjoying um, the the sermons and the podcast as it is. Um, today, I have the privilege of introducing you to someone I am just meeting for the first time, and her name is Catherine Sappington. Hi, Catherine. How's it going? Hey, it's going well. Thanks for asking. Yeah, so... Um, you know, I, I was uh, telling her right before when we were getting set up that like, normally I, I sometimes meet folks and uh, at, you know, in passing at church things, I've literally never met Catherine. So I'm excited to chat with her. Um, and so, yeah, let's just jump right into the interview. Uh, so Catherine, what, uh, how long have you been going to Highland and what brought you here? Yeah, so I've been going to Highland since August of 2021, so pretty pretty recently. Um, I come here as a student at Louisville Presbyterian Seminary. Um, I moved here early August and um, needed a church family. I grew up and was raised Methodist. Uh, my dad is a United Methodist pastor. Um, and when I started looking for churches around here, uh, that were Methodists, that were open and affirming um, what we in the Methodist world call reconciling uh, congregations. Um, I was a little disappointed, uh, to say the least. Um, and I, I visited a couple and wasn't too excited by them. I'm looking for somewhere, I was looking for somewhere with a large young adult group um, that was queer friendly, um, that had some kind of work in anti-racism, anti-bias work. Um, And I was talking about this with a couple of friends and a couple of classmates, and they said, you should try out Highland Baptist. And I was like, a Baptist church? Ah, Are you serious? Um, (laughs) And so I did, I did. Uh, (laughs) And um, the first Sunday that I attended was when Perry gave the sermon on um, the new anti-racism task force that has been started and it blew me away and I have been coming back ever since. Yeah so you'll get used to the idea of being uh, of that reaction of oh a Baptist church and you go oh but the response is but not one of those Baptist churches, right? right like that, that'll right. become part of it as you as your journey. Um, so right. because you and I don't know each other much, I can say like, I have, uh, I have been at Highland for 14 years now. Um, and my husband and I got married there. We're the first gay couple to get married at Highland. Um, awesome. Yeah. And so, you know, we've, we're, 
big fans of the church. Um, and yeah, there's so, so oh, this is exciting. I love I love new folks in our church. So, um, and also the young adult stuff, right? Like, uh, right. we were part of. We're not really young adults. We're all, I'm old now, but when I started, I was part of the original young adult ministry group. I was the first chair, um, okay. 14 years ago. So, thir- <laughs> 12 years, 13 years ago. Been a while. Sure, sure. I was in my 20s back then. So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It, it it is what it is. Uh, well, uh, where did you move from? So that's a complicated question. Um, I was born and raised in Mississippi, um, moved around all my life because my dad is a Methodist pastor and that's just the nature of Mm -hmm. the itineration system. Um, and so the United Methodist church has a two year young adult fellowship that they offer. Um, and, and so I did that after college. Um, I went to college in Mississippi, graduated from Delta State University, um, and uh, then moved to Kalamazoo, Michigan as part of that fellowship. So I was a, a what's called a global mission fellow for two years okay. in Michigan. Um, so I'm coming to Louisville from Mississippi through Michigan, which is always fun to tell people. <laughs> All right. All yeah. right. Yeah, I was gonna say you don't have. Yeah, I was gonna say oh, right. it's got to, It can't can't have spent that much time in the south from the sound of it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, how do you like to spend your time? What are you doing besides? I, we'll we'll talk about school here in a minute. But what what yeah. what do you like to do? Um. So outside of reading, uh, and reading and reading and reading and reading for school, um, I really love crafts. Um, I'm a big crafty person. I am working on, um, I'm learning hand embroidery, which has proven to be more difficult than I thought it would be, but I love it. Um, I really like baking um, and long walks outside and when it's warm, nice weather, um, being around friends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like. I also like reading, just in general. Um, Catherine, how have we not met yet? Okay, I don't like the reading part. I'll be I'll, I'll be blunt about that. I'm terrible. I, I start book clubs just to quit them, um, but I. Uh, but I love to sew. Sewing's like my thing. I have I have mm-hmm. I craft. I have a sewing machine and a serger, and um, I just started getting into make like uh, my big achievement over the winter is I made my own bathing suit. <laughs> so. Okay. okay. <laughs> Um, I'm working on a speedo for my husband, but you know, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> um, but, uh, like I am, I, I love, I love my, I love the process of learning, you know, spending $400 to make something I can buy for 20 bucks. Like that's right. my thing. So, <laughs> um, just, just because I, I love to do that. Um, and baking, that's like my thing. My husband loves to cook. He hates baking, but I love baking. So Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that became one of the like my passion projects when the pandemic started, as it did for everyone else. Um, we all so had you did the sourdough. <laughs> did the sourdough. I made so many loaves of banana bread uh, because I was living in a house of a lot of college students who really love bananas, but we couldn't eat them fast enough. Um, oh, banana bread, fun and <laughs> so easy, so so fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My true love is focaccia bread. Um, mm. It's my favorite to bake. <laughs> 
but yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, my uh, my prized my book that I probably use the most over here. There's I don't remember how I got it. I think I picked it up at a used bookstore, but it's called The Secrets of Jesuit Bread Making. Ooh, and okay. and it's fun because it was made by like a, a Jesuit uh, monk who like would cook for a lot of people. So a lot of the the recipes are made for like this is how you get sixty yeast rolls in a in a single batch and, and things like that. But then they did do the math to break it down, and that's probably my favorite book on on bread baking I've ever had. I love that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, you said you're going to Louisville Prez. Um, we have, as you're probably learning, we have a lot of folks at Louisville Prez. So mm -hmm. what led you there? What, what, what your, um, what do you, what are you hoping to do and achieve? And yeah, tell us about that journey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm in, I'm a first year, uh, marriage and family therapist, master's level student, um, and yeah, so I got there. Um, my mentor when I lived in Kalamazoo is an alum of the of Louisville Press. Um, she got her MDiv there uh, back early 2000s, I think. I could be really wrong. Um, so forgive me if I am. <laughs> um, and so I was about six months from finishing the fellowship and panicking about what I was going to do for the rest of my life um, with her because she is a wonderful soundboard for me. Um, and I was just like, you know what, if someone could just pay me to sit and listen to them for an hour every day, that would be great. And then I realized that I pay someone to sit and listen to me talk for an hour a day. Um, and I was like, why don't I go into therapy, uh, and find that and this, and so she mentioned this program and it definitely came with its challenges getting in. Um, mm -hmm. I was waitlisted and, um, that was this whole like process where I was like, I'm not good enough to be there and whatever else. But when I finally was accepted, um, it came with accolades and, uh, high, um, high appreciation from others who were in my circles um, and excitement for people who were in my circles. Um, and it felt like the right move. So I was debating between here or Garrett Evangelical in Evanston, Illinois, um, which is just above Chicago. Um, and the two were just so neck and neck with everything. Um, mm -hmm. The, they both checked all of my boxes, um, but I realized that I need somewhere where there is green space um, mm -hmm. where I can get out of the city and, and breathe. Um, and this one seemed to fit that bill. So here I am. Yeah, probably less crazy winters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's a selling point. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's what that's one of those places like my husband and I've talked about if we ever had to move, where would we go? And we're like Chicago. Ooh, but it's going to be so cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Living in Kalamazoo, we were about 3 hours away from Chicago. So we would go over oh, yeah. every once in a while. Um and a couple of those weekends were in the winter and every time when we were coming back, we were like, why did we leave one snowy place for another snowy place? Uh, a snowy a, a snowy windy place right like extra right, windy right, oh right so yeah 
Awesome. Well, that's that's awesome um, that you ended up here. Now, I'm not. I don't mean to like date you or anything. Are you are you Gen Z? Are you in that range? Are you are you a yeah. young millennial? Are you on that range? Yeah, yeah. I am a cusper. Uh, okay. I was born in December of '96, which is right on that. Oh yeah, yeah. My yeah. sister is so. born in '97, so right. she is right. Just yeah. All right. 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 So like, I remember the telephones with the pigtails attached to them. I remember dial-up internet. I remember uh the zany cartoons from the late 90s um but i don't <laughs> quite get the breadth of everything that mm -hmm. is associated with millennial culture um and i'm on tiktok so it's like that's gen z thing uh mm -hmm. i'm on so. the tiktok i love it too so right. i i yeah yeah. yeah, my sister's on there too, and it's wild because she like only made like three TikToks and got like twenty thousand followers. And I'm like, how? What? She's like, you just got to know the right things to put. And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't get it. I don't. Yeah. But you know, she introduced me recently to a book. So you read a lot, but maybe not, maybe not. But it's a um somebody around your all's age. Um, it's called the Poppy Wars. And I've been reading that. It's a fictional, um, it's like a sci fantasy fiction. It's in a uh, very Asian culture type of world. But mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It is wild. She's like, I feel very, I, I found out this woman was the same age as me and I feel very unaccomplished, but I love her books. So it's like, all right. But all right. Well, I, yeah. Awesome. Thank you for, for sharing. I, uh, I'm an old, I'm an elder millennial, or as the TikTok called us, the geriatric millennial. So I saw that. I had never been so offended in my life, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I When I lived in Kalamazoo, I worked with our youth group, and I had one of the kids look at me and go, we were talking about when, when everyone was born. And I was like, I was born in 1996. And this kid goes, you mean you were born in the 1900s? And the shock that I felt <laughs> was unmatched. <sighs> the, first, the first time a bartender said, oh, let me see your ID. And she blink. And it was like, oh, okay. I was like, did you even look? And she goes, oh, yeah, I saw the 19. And I'm like. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah. So anyway, enough of that, y'all. Um, for those of us, you know, most of my audience probably was born in the 1900s. So we're going to take a quick break, y'all. And while we break between uh, the interview and the sermon discussion, I'm going to leave you with today's anthem, which is called, If You But Trust in God to Guide You. Um, and we have a cello and a flute part in this. So I'm so excited to see some of our musicians back in, but uh, give us a, yeah, give this a listen and we'll be right back.
Hey, everyone. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed uh, this week's anthem called If You But Trust in God to Guide You. That was a David Sherwin uh, arrangement. And yeah, I'm so excited to, to have uh, the musicians back. Uh, just a quick note, like Catherine, I, you've never probably even heard our orchestra play because we've not had a full orchestra since the, the pandemic. Yeah, no, I haven't. And it blew me away today. <sighs> it gets so much better. So we have like 40, 50 people that play in an orchestra. We just had a piece of them with the strings today. But uh, we've not, we've really not played since we got waved off from, from, uh, from the pandemic. But usually we get to play through Lent and have a concert at some point. And we usually get to play in Advent. And I, I miss it. I play the clarinet. I've been in the clarinet for like seven or eight, played the clarinet with this orchestra for like eight or nine years now. So yeah, I miss it. Anyway, um, this week's sermon, y'all, um, is called Wrestling with God in the Dark. Um, and we're going off lectionary uh, again this week, and we covered Genesis 32, 22 to 32. Um, so we're taking it back to the Old Testament. Um, and um, the paraphrase, you know, to paraphrase that it's about Jacob um, getting assaulted in the night, and it turns out it's God wrestling with him. Um, and yeah, so Catherine. What do you think? What'd you think of it? Where, where did it start? Yeah. Um, well, to have it opened up with um, quotes from To Kill a Mockingbird was amazing. It's like Mary Alice. That is one of my favorite novels. Um, it was one of those summer reading list books. I guess I was in the eighth grade or something. And um, it has been one of my favorite novels ever since. Um, and so to immediately have those parallels drawn in front of me was something that I had never thought about. I, um, you know, growing up in Southern Mississippi, um, heard a lot of stories uh, through, about the Bible, learned a lot of things in the Bible, had heard the story a lot, um, but never in this context. And so to have it given in this context it was completely different and I really appreciated it. Absolutely. So I remember To Kill a Mockingbird wasn't one of those, I didn't, I don't think I read it till high school, maybe late high school. And yeah, it's just one of those novels you don't, being, I guess, children of the, you know, late 1900s. <laughs> it's hard for us to relate completely with that time period. Right. Uh, and even though it's within our parents' lifetimes, like it's not right. within ours. Um, but yeah, so Mary, Mary Alice started that off um, and she saw it on Broadway, which I'm a little jealous of. And it's not, I didn't, I don't, I haven't gotten to see it yet. Maybe I'll get to see that eventually, but uh, she, I will, I just, she keeps talking about how Jacob got licked and, and I wasn't, and I, Mary Alice, I just thought it was hilarious. I, I just, I know you meant getting beat up, but it was, I, and I think that's the, the vernacular from To Kill a Mockingbird. I just, it's just mm -hmm. kind of funny to me. Um, but I guess you started off and you, and, and she was quoting Atticus and Scout and talking mm -hmm. about having courage 
um, is, you know, knowing that he's not going to win, he, he -hmm. should still try. Mm -hmm. Um, and we ping pong back and forth between Atticus and then we jump into the scripture. Um, and we just start talking about the dark again, Jacob's being assaulted in the dark. And I guess, you know, the big outstanding question of this sermon is what are the things we've wrestled with in the dark? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, So again, growing up, I was in Mississippi and my family, um, I love them so dearly much. uh, And they can be rather conservative around some, uh, some pretty important things to me. Um, and my, so growing up, I always knew there was, there had to be more than what I was learning in the pews of church. Um, whether that was from what my dad was saying or from, um, from going to church with friends or conversation with friends, I, something in my, my deep soul told me that something, there's something more here. Mm -hmm. Um, and So I then moved to Kalamazoo, Michigan and start attending a church that and working in that church that is, uh, they had a rainbow flag flying on the side of their building. They, um, when all of the things that 2020 was started happening uh, and the rise of the the Black Black Lives Matter movement or more recognition of the Black Lives Matter movement, like those are the two things that they really hung on to and it helped me to have supervisors and pastors that I could turn to and say I feel like this lines up with my theology but I don't know how um Mm. can you help me process this and we we walked together through that and um it it really all started out um with one of my pastors uh at at the time he was a pastor at a different church and then came to the church that we were, that I was working at. Um, uh, but at, when I met him, he was at the church he was for 11 years or so. And he was leading a Bible study on um, a fabulous book called Man and Mercy. And it's, so Man and Mercy is a small, um, it's a really quick read. Um, and it's set up like a comic book type style Bible study that goes, through the Bible from beginning to end um, in the views of the oppressed and the oppressors. Um, And in the first session of this Bible study, we all got together and he said, there are a few things that we all need to be on the same page about before we really get into this. And the first of those is that there's a difference between truth and fact. Mm. And the Bible is truth. And that like wrecked me to the core because all of my life, I grew up thinking and believing, you know, the Bible is fact, what the Bible says goes. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I have been able to walk through and process that the Bible was a book written by humans um, while they may have been in some part inspired by God. um, That doesn't negate that there is harm in those words um, Mm -hmm. and that there has been harm perpetuated because of those words. Um, and so to grow up in this world where it was like, 
the Bible says this, the Bible says that, like these are real. And uh, there was a flood that wiped out everybody except for like four people. And now we're all related to those four people or whatever else is in the Bible Mm -hmm. that, that could have happened or could not have happened. At the end of the day, um, it's it's a book written by humans for humans, um, and it may be helpful, and it is helpful um, in some aspects, and it is very unhelpful in others. Um, and so that that's been my most recent like wrestling um, yeah. and saying, God, where are you? Where do you exist in my life and in this book? And where do those two things intertwine? And the more I ask that question, the less it seems like those two places do intertwine and the mm-hmm. more comfortable I've gotten with that. So yeah, that's been my my wrestling. <laughs> it's been that's a lot. A, that's awesome. What a beautiful journey you're on. Cause that doesn't sound like you're doesn't sound like you're through it. Um <laughs> and yeah, so last weekend I went to um this conference called out in faith it was here in town um and we got to view a special viewing so you're on the tiktok so i know you're already going to know what i'm talking about there's a tick uh there's a movie being produced called 1946 um and it's being uh it's a documentary being done by rocky oh i don't remember rocky's last name but i met her this weekend she's um a strong uh, lesbian woman who's documenting her journey um, and the journey of two researchers who have sought out to figure out the origin of when homosexuality was translated into English within the Mm -hmm. Bible. And just, you know, you, you were talking about that, like the understanding of uh, that. I I loved you, you talking about that minister saying you know there's truth and there's fact Mm -hmm. and and i feel like that's that that's reiterated in this uh documentary that that i saw the it's not the final cut it's still being worked on but we were in a focus group there we got to see it it wasn't released or anything it was just a work in progress um and give reactions but you know one of the beautiful things about that um is that it was uh they're not trying to like say it's wrong but they're trying to add the context right Mm -hmm. because the original greek has you know got translated and then we did translations off the translations and then Mm -hmm. translations off the translations and then we ended up with this word full of politics and it's not necessarily the truth that they meant and it has all this other significance so yeah i i you're you're on that journey that that's a journey i i made in college trying to figure out who i am what 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 my path is and i'll tell you my wrestling um which the longtime listeners of this podcast knows about is the first person i ever came out to was a catholic nun um (laughs) So yeah, wait, let's get a beer sometime, Catherine. I, I got I got some <laughs> yeah. stuff to share. Um, I won't go into into it too deep, but you know, I had a whole season, um, and I discussed it on last week's about 
you know, I was living by myself and for the first time in my life, right? And that's when my deconstruction started to happen was, mm-hmm. man, I have too much time. I have all these questions. I have to do something. I right. can't sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what that, and that was like, wasn't the beginning of my, um, it wasn't the beginning of my, my journey. I, I was already in process, but it was definitely the end of me questioning, oh, what is my, who am I? What is my sexuality? How, how can I be a Christian and be gay? So that mm-hmm. was, that, that, that helped me put myself at ease. And I realized like, there are so many different queers out there. It's, it, it ranges right from gays who don't, you know, that also believe in an inerrant Bible, um, mm-hmm. all the way to, I don't believe in the Bible. There's, right. there, there's so, there's such a range, but yeah. One of the, to take it back to the sermon, you know, Mary Alice talks about how she was never taught this scripture. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, I'm not a huge scripture nerd. I, I, I'm not scared of it, but I don't know it like other people do. I didn't grow up with it. I don't know the, you know, a lot of history and context to some of these things for the people that have grown up in it. But I was, I felt so uh, at ease when she said that she wasn't raised with this either. Mm-hmm. Because what a, what an example, what a visual of the idea of wrestling with God. Because I feel like the mainstream image of God is always, he says something, you do it. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and then my, my husband would say you know god always picks like terrible people that's like the other thing he you know that we would talk about jacob right. being one of those terrible people in this mm-hmm. this actual um uh, scripture right mm-hmm. and so um yeah i just i i i was flummoxed that's a good word for this <laughs> flummoxed by this visual that totally went against most of my understanding of scripture so what about you mm-hmm. yeah um like I said it this scripture was one that I heard uh growing up but it was never in this context it was that the, so the context I was given as a, a young kid coming up was um was more that of like God isn't to be doubted um, God doesn't wrestle well. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I'm currently taking a class, um, here that is, uh, an introduction to Bible for marriage and family therapist. And, uh, it's taught by our own, uh, Dr. Tyler Mayfield. Um, oh, yeah. and so in that he, in that class, we've talked a lot about parts of scripture that sit in, the historical context, some that sit in the literary context and, and others that sit in a theological context. And anyway, um, go to him for that lecture. It's wonderful. Um, but I, the, the context that I've heard this scripture through most frequently is the historical end so that it's, here's where we get Israel. Here's where we hear the name um, and hear how Jacob goes from J- 
Jacob to Israel. Um, and it's because he was brave and strong and he talked to God about all the, the things that were going on in his life, whatever. Um, and, uh, and then we have the 12 tribes that come from Israel. Um, but to, to really sit and focus on that, like wrestling and doubting. And, um, I don't know that Mary Alice used the word doubting, but I use it there, um, because that was a lot of what my deconstruction was, was that doubt of, um, what is truth and what is fact, um, for me at the end of the day. So, um, so yeah, to hear in this context was definitely different. And it was like, I was hearing it for the first time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, uh, it's in, I, you giving me context to like how it was explained to you as a child. It's interesting too, because it's like, they're saying, oh, God isn't to be wrestled with. He doesn't wrestle well, but right. God loses. <laughs> right, right, right. And maybe, maybe it was because I was a kid in a Sunday school class that heard uh -huh. it at that point. And they're like, we don't want y'all to be getting any ideas about how to talk to God or, or whatever. Um, I don't want to put words into the mouths of oh, yeah, yeah. ladies that were my Sunday school teachers. Um, but maybe that was it. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just that they didn't quite understand how to fully deliver the message. Because um, it makes you wonder, did they wrestle, right? Uh, you're, you're in a, you so at our church at Highland Baptist, for those that, you know, may listen to this that don't know our community. We are a church of doubters, uh, a church of people who have wrestled um, or that are in various parts of their journey on that, on that spectrum. Right. We, um, and I just, it just, uh, I've met people, right. We've been talking through this whole sermon series about um, she's referenced it almost every time about these people with the um, sun powered faith, right. The only mm -hmm. people with the, the, that are only used to good times and you know the idea of people that have not who may not have ever questioned or when they have those dark moments when the sun goes down struggle mm -hmm. but maybe not struggling with doubt they struggle the, the doubt is very inner focused on themselves, not on their relationship with God, because I feel like that's what those those faith, those um, churches of the of that kind of ideology, where it's it is sunny all the time, and you have to fake it if it's not. You know, they they go very inner focused, and it becomes a very you're you're going into therapy. You're probably yeah. hear, hearing stories like this, right? Like where right. It, it's you that's the problem not your faith. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times in growing up and this don't get me wrong. It didn't come from my family. It came from other members of the church of the, like just saying harmful, harmful stuff about like, like your issues are your own and you need to figure those out before you come to church. <laughs> and as a kid, I was always like, what? Church is where I go to figure out my issues uh, or to make sense of them or, or whatever. Um, and yeah, that 
ooh, that sent me as a kid, as a teenager, sent me into a spiral of, you know, doubt and misjudgment and denial of self that just isn't fair for someone who is, you know, playing sports and in theater and having to go to class and trying to figure out what they're going to do for the rest of their life should ever have to go through. Um, yeah. And so like just hearing these little old ladies who I'm sure they meant well, uh, just say, you need to figure out yourself out before you come to church. Um, because this is a place of holiness and mm. dignity and whatever else they said. Vulnerability uh, not allowed, right? Right. <laughs> like, uh, if God is supposed to know, like, whatever, like every hair on my head, shouldn't God also know what I'm struggling with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it, and, and what do we see born out of these attitudes, right? We see, yeah. LGBTQ teens with incredibly high suicide rates, right? But we know it's not right. just them. We know it's not just them struggling with it. But that's one of the most, um, I think, mainstream messages that mainstream Christianity has has failed. Ha- how they've failed our teenagers um, in saying like your, you know, your scars or your what you're dealing with is not our problem. And it right. and that shouldn't be what church is right we're seeing god wrestle with jacob in this sermon in this scripture and Mm -hmm. he's he's there with him Mm -hmm. um you know heck any other context would be like yeah you're supposed to wrestle with the church (laughs) right the church win but but i love that the god does actually win and that's that that changes the whole narrative and maybe that's why it's glossed over because God's supposed to be king of kings or Jesus, you know, king of kings, right. champion, blah, 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 blah. So. Right, right. Yeah. And I really appreciated the the lens that Mary Alice put on it about like, make it makes God into a human before we get Jesus. Um, and so often we, we make Jesus the first like God, like human embodiment of God. Um, but to have God come down and like, whenever I had heard this before I saw wrestling as like, just like deep banter back and forth, Mm -hmm. um, deep argument, deep conversation where their minds were wrestling rather than like physical wrestling. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, to have that like humanness put on God of like, I'm going to come down here and we're physically going to wrestle this out. We're going to figure it out. And Yeah. You know, it's so toxically masculine, but like, also like, uh, it's such a good image, right? Like that's the- <laughs> right, right, right. And maybe Jacob was a toxically masculine human. And that was how God knew. I'm not going to get to Jacob any other way than to do this. Right. I have to beat him no. down. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, you're not going to listen to me. So I'm going to have to beat this into you. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so uh to keep going um one of the quotes that mary alice brings us up brings up is um of rachel held evans um okay. and and discussing along these same lines about how this like i'm shocked as a as a progressive 
gay Christian, I've never heard the scripture before, or at least I've never heard it focused on in this way um, because of how she quotes it here. And she's, and the quote paraphrased y'all because I'm typing as I, as I listen to the sermon, you know, she says, it's one of our origin stories. It demonstrates that in our history is this dynamic and personal relationship between God and God's people that we do not dissent um, we do not descend from people who are from the top of the food chain, but we are from Jacob, a wandering and wondering people. Um, and we were people who, sh- and then we were from a people who struggle with faith. And as we were just discussing, that's not where we're at now. That's not the the context or the history that we're necessarily that our generations have been kind of told from mainstream Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that struggle is a part of it. And in so many non-progressive uh, um, re- uh, faiths, faith practices, we don't talk about this. This isn't, we don't talk about struggle. Struggle is bad. Struggle is your fault. If it's never God's fault, it's all on you. And I just feel like this would just change, you know, if anyone ever... For those that read the Bible, they'd probably just gloss over it. But man, you know that there's people out there that do go, huh, and then just move on. Mm-hmm. Rachel Head Evans talks about that. Um, and then she moves on a bit and gives a great example in our very own church of Lula Reynolds talking about having a congregation that would accept her and how she still, it took her 10 years to move forward in the pews. And it occurs to me, like, I feel like sometimes we think of a night or the darkness being a short period. And I feel like I've probably speed through things because I'm a Capricorn and I don't pay attention as well as I should to stuff. But, uh, you know, yeah, some people have, a, have, have longer nights than others, right? It's not just one thing. And sometimes it's one thing for a very long time, yeah. but thinking about that that darkness um, and that and and how long you may be wrestling with God, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just it, it was a beautiful. It, it's just been a beautiful image. Yeah, yeah, and I think to add on to that, like for each individual, some nights may be some dark times. Nights may be longer than others. Um, And, you know, I, I, as, because, so I'm in this therapy program and I'm only there because I've gone through really great therapy, um, because I have depression and, you know, uh, just to be totally vulnerable about it, uh, and off it's developed in my teenage years and it's just something that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. But, um, there were some really long really, really long, um, nights, some really long, dark periods. Um, and sometimes I think (laughs) my parents forcing me to go to church because I'm the pastor's kid and need to show up at church, uh, is what, you know, made those little bright days, uh, come in. Um, and when I got out and could decide when I could go to church and when I couldn't, um, or when I didn't have to, there was a time where I was like, I'm just not going to go. I don't need it. 
I've had 20 years of every single Sunday going to church and I don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just want to take a break. I want to sleep in on a Sunday morning. Um, and then realizing that, that it was one of those things that was helpful. One of the things helpful in being in a church community is having that community around, um, to, to break up those long, dark times. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we see, so not to get away too far, but I, I love rabbit holes, but like (laughs) you see it, I see it. This is not an uncommon conversation for our generation specifically, the millennials and the, and the Gen Zers. I know you're seeing it. Like we're lonelier than ever, more connected digitally than ever, but lonelier, more depressive, more anxiety. These are these are things, these are statistical facts of our generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love that you realized the importance of community. And I don't, church is that for some people, but like community in general, like fills, fills a part of the heart that you need, part of our souls, um, feeds it, right? And it's, yeah. Those, those long nights, you, you need you need respite, you need support. Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. My husband's work um, is, a lot of it's been based in community building um, around people with disabilities, helping them mm-hmm. plug into communities and be a mm-hmm. part and valued members of communities, which is an important part. You can be a part of a community and not be valued can be you know a participating member and be very valued right there's there's Mm -hmm. things um and i i just i always lean on that like i don't i don't ever participate i try not to participate and if i can't be an active contributing person i probably won't be a member of something Mm -hmm. because i just i need that in my life understanding how community is important to me important to my husband like that's something important to us. Um, but you touched on something else that I want to, that kind of moves us along towards the sermon, um, which is a quote. Um, and this takes us really kind of closer to the end of the sermon from Anne Lamott um, talking about how um, if we lo- if we haven't already, we will lose someone you can't live without and your heart will be badly broken. And the bad news is, is you completely never get over the loss of your beloved, but there, this is also good news. They live forever in your broken heart and that doesn't seal back up and you come through. It's like having a broken leg that never heals perfectly. That still hurts when the weather gets cold, but you learn to dance with a limp. Mm-hmm. And I'm making this transition because you were talking about depression, which thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Cause I will say like one of I'd never, I don't think, realized or depression until my dog died mm-hmm. uh, years ago. This is this is my my dog that I had. We the family dog we got at 12 years old. I was 12. Died when I was when I turned 30. <laughs> it's a lot okay. seven years ago, mm-hmm. but like I had never experienced darkness like that or that loss like that, like, and I say that saying, like, I had 
I've had family members die in my life, but that one affected me so deeply. Um, and it was so dark for a very long time. We we're talking about how, how the, the dark, how long the night lasts mm-hmm. months, months for me. And I don't, I don't, I don't believe I suffer from, um, any kind of ongoing or chronic anything, but I, I, because of that period though, now I, I know the tells for myself and how to like navigate it. Mm-hmm. But for me, you know, the, the respite was, I watched Pitch Perfect, the movie, literally every day for four months. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Mm-hmm. And I eventually got through it. You've seen a couple of my dogs in the background on, on the call. Um, eventually, you know, and that it took me years to get over that, to even get comfortable with having another dog in my mm-hmm. life. But uh, yeah, that, that, mm, that Anne Lamott quote instantly made me think of my dog, Mandy, um, yeah. in that, in that moment in time. Yeah. Yeah. And that quote, the first thing I thought about was when I was 14, my great grandmother died. Um, and she was someone who was very, very close to me. Um, and we had a great relationship. Uh, it was tough when she, when she passed. And I think if I were to pick something that sent me off into the world of depression, that was probably it. But, um, but I really got stuck with, um, losing my best friend um given Mm. so (laughs) to give context she is she's still alive uh we just we had to to separate to end our friendship um we grew up together um met each other in like the sixth grade and um have stayed in contact since then um up until january of 2021 Mm. Um, and, uh, there were just some things that I was very vocal about being in support of, uh, in the world, um, that she could not get on board with, and she didn't see a need in carrying on our friendship. And that was okay. Uh, it was tough. I, um, dealt with it for a long time, talked to my therapist about it a lot, um, and and to some to some degree it still still hurts. But immediately after that, I met um, one of my favorite people in the entire world um, through church. Uh, we she was going to the church that I was working at, um, and we ended up serving on the same teams and boards committees. Um, within the church and we just had so much overlap that we were like let's go out let's grab a beer uh let's get to know each other um because we're two young adult women in the church um and we need friends (laughs) in the church uh and now she has become that person that I talk to every single day and we are super close and so it's like I lost something and then someone who is deeply close uh, and enmeshed within who I am, um, pretty suddenly. And then all of a sudden God came through and was like, 
see, here's this new person um, that I actually want you to get to know because she's awesome. And not to say that my childhood best friend isn't awesome uh, in her own world and in her own context, but uh, the person that I met soon after uh, is, I would call her my best friend now. And um, we know more details and intimate parts of life with one another than I've ever known with anyone else. Um, and it truly was like this God thing um, that, and it's someone in amidst her own deconstruction, it's hard to admit when things are God things, but there's no other explanation for this. Um, and that, and so the, the Anne Lamott quote, took me in a whole different direction than I think Mary Alice probably meant uh, for it to. Um, and uh, it was good to realize and to process that in the moment. Um, yeah. Yep. It's so hard to navigate that when you're in it, right? I have also had had to grieve relationships and honestly, I find it, I find grieving relationships harder than grieving people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's not that closure. Right. Often. There's not like, oh, I literally can't ever see them again because mm -hmm. they're dead versus like, I could run into my childhood best friend in the grocery store. Oh yeah. And what do I do then? <laughs> um, I mean, in some cases you might have to continue to have some kind of relationship that is right. way different than what you had before. Mm -hmm. I, I have that in my life, so I, I get it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, uh, well, we got to end this somewhere. We could probably <laughs> keep going for quite a while, but I think, uh, Catherine, this is the start of a, a, of us chatting more. We're, yeah. Let's have a beer sometime. Uh, you uh, seem super interesting, and you're gonna fit. You're fitting in already. It sounds like. Like I'm so glad to know that you're at Highland. Also, I'm so glad there's people at Highland I haven't met yet. <laughs> so um, thank you so much for for hanging out with me today. No problem. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah. So y'all, I'm going to end this again with. Um, Mary Alice's benediction. She used this a couple of weeks ago. I'm gonna, I'm gonna repeat it again. Um, so glad you're with me, with us today, um, and uh, hope to, hope you stick with us. We have a few more weeks of Lent. Um, Palm Sunday and Easter are coming. So, um, but, but we're gonna end with this benediction. As Mary Alice said, when the world around you seems dark, and the road ahead of you has lost its way. Take a moment to pause, listen in quiet stillness, let your eyes adjust to the darkness until you can just make out the holy hymn and heart of it all. For though you may walk through the valley of deep darkness, surely God's unfailing love will follow you and is with you still even in the shadows. Even from dusk till dawn, you are not alone. Amen. <laughs>